It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10 3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats, and boy, oh boy, is this one special. As a lot of you know, I grew up the biggest Atlanta Braves fan on the planet. My two favorite players were John Smoltz and Chipper Jones. I'm wearing Chipper Jones' jersey right now. I've had this one forever, and today, Chipper Jones is joining me, and I could not be more excited for this. My favorite player growing up and now he is coming on my show to talk all about his time with the Braves his career this one is going to be so much fun I hope you all appreciate this as much as I appreciate this this one is special and what a blast of a conversation this is going to be so many great stories are coming and of course one of the best careers, one of the best switch hitters of all time. We're going to dive into all of it. There's going to be a lot of laughing. This one is going to be fun and very special for me. Let's get to it and welcome in now Chipper Jones. All right, and I am pumped now to be joined by Chipper Jones, Atlanta Braves, Hall of Famer, first ballot, eight-time All-Star, MVP. The accolades go on and on. Chipper Jones, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. My pleasure. Of course. So I want to start with, I, I have John Smoltz on my show every week now. And last week he actually told a story that involved you. So I want to retell this story and see if you remember it from his perspective. But it was with Albert Pujols was involved. He was coming in from the bullpen one year and he had gotten sat down. Actually, he went to sit down, but he ends up coming in the game when he didn't expect it. He comes running in the game, all pissed off. He said he ran by you, and you guys shared some choice words with each other. <laughs> and then he comes in and gives up an absolute bomb to Albert yeah. Pujols. Do you remember this from your end? Yeah, I was playing left field. So, you know, the <laughs> the bullpen was right behind me, and I was actually kind of shocked to to see him warming up. Um, you know, Smoltzy, <clears throat> Smoltzy had – made it known that you know hey three out saves are are good <laughs> and uh I, I don't i don't think bobby really liked that all that much uh bobby bobby was gonna ride you like zorro you know as long as if you were the best guy you know at the best time in the game uh you were gonna be in there and so i think uh Smoltzy was called on uh for maybe a five out save and he just kind of jogged by me and Smoltzy is doesn't drink, doesn't cuss, you know, just one of the, one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And he was, he was MFing like a son of a gun running by me. I had to cover up my mouth and my glove to keep from, to keep from laughing. Cause it was no pun intended. It was so out of left field. Oh, that's yes. great. He, did, he didn't make it through the inning either. He did not make it through the <laughs> inning and did not pitch the ninth. So he got his wish. He didn't even have to get three outs. And the story ended for him by saying he went in the locker room and tore it apart, but he didn't realize the netting was with rebar there and he tore his hands all up. So just what a night. What a night for Smoltz. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't pay to uh, throw equipment and throw temper tantrums. It's uh, it's going to come back and bite you at some point. Yes, it is. So Smoltz comes on, 
pretty much every week and shares so many stories and we have a good time, but obviously I don't get many stories of him himself. So do you, as a teammate of his for like 15 years, have a good John Smoltz story for us that sticks out? Oh man, that was a good one right there. That was one <laughs> of the ones that, that really kind of sticks out in my mind. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about Smoltzy is um, he is just, he's one of the greatest athletes that I've ever been around. He is good at everything. It pisses everybody off because <laughs> he's good at golf, he's good at bowling, he's good at ping pong, he's good at cards, backgammon. I mean, <laughs> It, it's just, it just it never it, it never fazes me. I'll tell you I'll tell you one a couple of good stories that I had of him. Um, he he's not the toughest individual in the world. Um, he got he got hit in the back like right between right between the two and the nine one time and uh, in Colorado, and he sat at home plate and did the tuna for a good like like three or four minutes like didn't get up and we're all sitting there like bro we get hit every day you know i mean we're, we're not gonna sit there and do the, do the tuna, you know do the tuna flop right there at home plate so so he caught a lot of guff for that one and then the the play in between the mound and and first base there was a slow roller up and you know up between you know the mound and first base and he was he it was kind of too late to flip it and so he dives on the ground catches the ball and then tries to barrel roll his way to first base <laughs> to, to hat comes off we see the cul-de-sac i mean it, it blinded some of the fans for you know reflecting the sun um so he most of the time when he hit the ground, man, he was something something stupid happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, Chipper, obviously right now Albert Pujols is doing some incredible things. His 700th home run recently. Your career overlapped with his for a while. Um, obviously he played first base. He's playing first base. You guys spent a lot of time there together because you were always on base yourself. When you look back, do you have any – stories that you remember from being around or playing against Albert Pujols? I just remember that he was the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to play um, with who I think is the greatest left-handed hitter of all time and Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds, the best baseball player I've ever seen don a baseball uniform. I mean, he could do it, everything he could he could hit, he could beat you with his glove, he could beat you with his feet. I mean, it, it was just, it was crazy how talented this guy was. Albert Pujols never took an off-balance swing for the 12 years he was in St. Louis, you know, previously, or however long he was there. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a guy never take an off-balance swing. That's one of the reasons why um, he's going to go down, you know, as, as I don't know if, if he'll be considered the greatest right-handed hitter, but he's the greatest one that I've ever seen and that I ever played against. Um, just uh, rock solid from a mental standpoint, uh, rock solid from uh, a an approach standpoint. You can tell that 
not only is he very gifted um, with a bat in his hand, but he does his homework yeah. and he's he's prepared for each and every at bat. And uh, that's that's nice to see because you don't often see that uh, yeah. in today's game. Yeah, and I'm with you on Barry Bonds. I consider him the greatest hitter of all time. Which yeah, yeah so yeah. sounds like we're aligned there. He Albert Pujols recently hit. Home run number 700. This became a big talking point. So I'll ask you, Chipper, what should you do if you catch home run number 700? What should you do with the baseball? Oh, a good person would give it back and not ask for anything. I yeah. mean, that's that's what, that's what a good person would do. But I understand, you know, to be honest with you, we as, as athletes, um, I've, been, I've been shaken down before. I got shaken down for number 400. Uh, so it, it is what it is, you know, um, I, we as athletes, if, you know, given back, uh, something like that, we will do something out of the goodness of our heart to show our appreciation. Yeah. Um, I had a lady, <laughs> had a lady catch mine or get mine and come in and she wanted, she wanted tickets for the rest of the year. She wanted, <laughs> you know, a signed bat. She wanted money. And I was like, Hey, keep it don't worry about it we're, we're good so you know and, and i certainly would have would have given her something you know on the back side of that but uh yeah i just you know I, i'm sure that's 700 man there's only what four guys in that in that club yeah. that's a that's an awfully special baseball um you know i know it's an, a, a special baseball to to albert but uh, that thing's going to be making its rounds uh, I, I got a feeling for a while until it finally ends up in Cooperstown. Yeah. So obviously Albert's doing this at an older age and you yourself played for a long time until you were 40 years old. What's the difference in walking in the clubhouse at 40 years old compared to 23, 24 years old? There's a lot less spring in your stuff. I can tell you that, <laughs> boy, it's, there's a lot of mileage, uh, uh, on 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 the body at, at 40 years old you're talking i think i played 2500 regular season games i played another huh, what seemed like you know a couple hundred in the postseason i know it was only right around 100 but man those are those are double stuff double tough you know yeah um you know and then obviously 23 years worth of spring training games and minor league games so i mean we're talking about a lot of baseball i think you you've been through a lot um, you know, there's a lot of, of lessons to be learned on and off the field. I went through, uh, two divorces while I was playing, uh, baseball. So it, you know, <laughs> you, you, to say the game will humble you is one thing. The game is, is undefeated in humbling players. Yeah. Um, you know, but to go through some of the stuff off the field and go through some of those learning processes, you know, I, I, I probably walk into the clubhouse knowing a little bit more than, than most of the young kids. And while they're bright eyed and bushy tailed <laughs> right now, the game at some point will, will, it'll catch up with them, you know, and if they're not careful, if they don't uh, take care of business off the field, they'll be humbled off the field, much like I was. So yeah. a lot of learning, to do and i tried to make myself as open as i could to all the young guys and 
And if I saw him headed down the right road, you know, kind of pull him aside and say, hey, look, don't make the same mistakes I did. Take care of your business and and make sure that you're focused on being one ninth of the equation that yeah. comes out here and helps to win games every single day. Shipper, you're you're one of the best to do it, but when it comes to switch hitters, you're in that conversation of all time with Mickey Mantle, Eddie Murray, one of the best switch hitters to ever do it. When did you start really focusing on switch hitting? I think I've I've switch hit all my life. I've switch hit from the time I was six or seven years old. Uh, my dad and I, we would we only got three channels in little old Pearson, Florida, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only Major League Baseball game that we saw every week was the Saturday game of the week with Tony Kubek and Joe Garagiola, you know, and we would um, imitate the lineups. We'd go out in the backyard. We imitate the lineups. And whenever a left-handed hitter came up, I had to hit left-handed. That's just the way my dad brought me up. Um, He'd stand 45 feet away from me with a tennis ball and throw it just as hard as the good Lord had let him throw it. <laughs> and that's how I learned. That's how I learned to hit. Now I didn't probably start um, competitively switch hitting until I was about 14 or 15. Um, you know, and, and during, he made a, he made a bet with me. He, he, you know, we had an agreement as long as, during the summer when I was playing American Legion baseball and I was, you know, playing 50, 60 games a year, if I did it full time during American Legion, then if I wasn't feeling real good left handed during the high school season, he would let me hit right handed. Mm-hmm. So for the most of my right handed, most of my high school days, I hit right handed. If we were way up, I would turn around, show the scouts I could hit left handed. But once the summer came, I had to hit left-handed against uh, right-handed pitching. And, you know, I think most of the scouts will tell you that uh, the reason that I went number one overall was the fact that that I was a switch hitter, you know, and I wasn't very efficient at it um, when I got drafted. But, uh, man, after, the, after my first year in pro ball in Macon, Georgia, I really kind of, turned the corner and felt like, Hey, okay. Now my, now my left-handed swing feels like my natural swing. Speaking of going number one overall, I'm going to say a name to you and you tell me what comes to mind. Todd Van Poppel. Uh, The word that comes to mind is thankful. You know, I mean, I was, I was playing B. Plain and simple. You know, the, the Braves can sit here and say that that I was the number one option. I was not the number one option. You know, any any six foot six Texas fireballer that throws a hundred <laughs> miles an hour with a curveball that drops off the table is gonna be the number one prospect in baseball. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I knew I wasn't the best player in the draft. Um I just happened to fall into a situation where um, he, him and his agent uh, said they weren't going to sign with the Braves, and I was Plan B, you know. So <laughs> I'll gladly be, be Plan B. I'm, you know, I'm a Southern kid. Uh, grew up in the South. I loved playing in the South, and and man, isn't it funny how uh, organizational uh, uh, futures 
turn in a heartbeat, you know, and, yeah. and man, the, the Braves went from, from worst to first and Bobby was doing unbelievable things, uh, loading up our, uh, our, our, uh, minor league system with, with, uh, with great draft picks. And well, we all know what, what happened with the Oakland A's. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know, there's some similarities there to, I, I feel like my brother, was on everybody's top of the draft board and ends up going number two to the Tigers and Matt Bush ends up getting taken by the Padres. And and like you said, it's funny how just one thing like that can change two organizations for a long time. And uh, your situation is, is certainly one of those. Um, you're, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, <laughs> let me see. Matt Bush and Hall of Fame pitcher. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I ever, I don't know that I ever faced Matt Bush. I know I faced your brother. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I can certainly attest to uh, who who should have gone number one. Your your draft year that year, you didn't enter the draft with an agent. It was basically your dad helping you out. And I heard a, a story about the, there was kind of an interesting conversation you and your dad had on draft day after you're taking one overall. What was that like for you, getting taken then and then having that conversation? It seemed like maybe a difficult conversation with your dad. It wasn't difficult at all. I think we were both on the same page. Um, there's a reason why we didn't sign with a an agent right away. Um, you know, that agent, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is at that point, I hadn't found one that I trusted. Um, that agent is is representing me and my family, and nobody's going to represent um, the Jones family better than me and my dad and my mom. Um, you know, we knew what... Um, Ben McDonald made the year before. Uh, we were looking for a little uptick um, as far as that's concerned. But, and, and I think this is what made me so, so appetizing to the to the Atlanta Braves once uh, Van Poppel went away um, was the fact that I just wanted to go play. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go play. <laughs> you know, I, I, 100, you know, Three hundred and two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, whatever I got, full full package to sign. I don't even remember. Um, it, it was good money back in the day, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna make my money at the big league level, and the only way to get to the big league level is go play, go play, yeah. earn your money uh, on a weekly, monthly, yearly uh, basis until you get to the big leagues, and that's where you're gonna make your money. Um, yeah, it, the, I think the Braves came in at like 250,000 and we asked for 300. They said, we don't think we can get 300. <laughs> so I said, well, my dad and I, my mom will go upstairs and we'll have a conversation. <laughs> and, uh, I said, I would go upstairs. I said, pops, you know, let's just meet in the middle. I mean, that's negotiation. That's negotiating. We'll meet him in the middle. He goes, Chip, you can get more. I was like, so how much more? What what, what are we going to get that I'm going to be sitting here on my rear end doing nothing for a good part of the summer when I could be out there getting that experience yeah. and be working my way to the big leagues? I was like, okay, $25,000. They come up 25. We come down 25. It should be over. We went downstairs and said, okay, meet us in the middle at 275. They couldn't get that pen and paper in front of me fast <laughs> enough, you know? So 
it was I was I was signed, sealed, and delivered in in no time. Your your minor league career was quick, but your triple A stop was in Richmond, which is where I'm from, from ten minutes okay. from that stadium. I grew up going there all the time. Now, when I look back at your minor league career, one thing that I just remember was that there was this big brawl that happened between your team and another team that had Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez. I don't know what happened in that brawl or what, what started it, but tell me about that day and what happened. Uh, I told it, I told it at my, my hall of fame uh, induction. It's really the first time I got really introduced to Jim Tomey. Yeah. So um, us and Charlotte, we did not like each other. Uh, They were good. We were good. We were really young, and they had a a bunch of uh, you know older guys who were kind of on the way back down from from you know their their major league careers. Mm-hmm. And boy, they did not like us. And we had some some Donnie Brooks with them. But yes, uh, Klesko hit a hit a home run early in the game off. Uh, Oh, what was that pitcher's name? He was the stunt double for Kevin Costner and for love of the game. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a pitching coach. He's a, he's a pitching coach. Now I want to say maybe in, in Kansas city, I can't think of his name. Anyway, Klesko hits a home run off of him and like, you know, grunts and does the whirly bird and throws his bat. And, um, we're, we're thumping them pretty good, uh, at our place. So Charlie Manuel was the manager for, um, Charlotte and uh, he brings Bill Wirtz in his closer in the eight and they're down like nine to three. And I was like, I was like, what the heck's all this all about? Keith Mitchell's sitting next to me, Kevin Mitchell's cousin, who's just as militant as, as Kevin. <laughs> he goes, they about to, they about to send a message to old Klesko right here. First pitch, first pitch is behind Klesko. We clear Nothing really happens. A lot of, you know, John and whatnot. Well, we get back, we get back in the dugout. The next pitch is right down the middle and Klesko flings the bat, like goes to swing at, at, you know, the pitch and flings the bat directly at works. <laughs> well, the bat, bat lands out near second base. All right. You can't do that. If you're trying to hit the ball, he was trying to helicopter that bat at works. So here we go again, right? Well, it spills out over into the backstop. They got they got stinking Tommy, Manny. They got some big Sam Horn. They've got Alan Cockrell, uh, Bo Allred. They got some football boys, you know, on their on their team. Well, I go diving into the pile, and the next thing I know, my face is pressed up against the backstop netting, and this this guy has me by the throat. I can't even see who it is. And uh, he whispers in my ear. He says, you done? And I go, it appears so. <laughs> and that was, that was Jim Tomei grabbing me by the neck. And and uh, the funniest thing about it was my parents were in the third row. Okay? Yeah. Sitting in the third row watching all this. And I look at my mom, and if you could have seen the look of horror, on my mom's face, it was it was it was priceless. But I told that story, you know, a, a bunch of times as we were coming down towards the 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 
you know, the, the, it, towards the hall of fame induction and Jim remembered it. He was like, <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> oh gosh. That's incredible. Uh, so you end up playing in the big leagues for you know, the majority of your career is under Bobby Cox. One of he's known for two things, being a fantastic manager and getting ejected a lot. When you look back on all of those ejections, do you have a favorite one? One that just makes you die laughing? Oh, yeah. Um, this one involves Smoltzy, too. Um, we were playing at Old Riverfront in uh, Cincinnati, mm -hmm. the nasty. And uh, Smoltzy gives up uh, the first game of the series. Smoltzy gives up a triple to Brett Boone race center field guy well as booney slides into third he overslides third and i keep the keep the tag on him he was out um he was originally safe but then he's out so as hunter wendelstadt is trying to get in position to make the call smoltzy is backing up third well, Smoltzy comes charging in to say, hey, he came off the bag. They stepped on each other's feet. It was portrayed as Smoltzy bumps Hunter. Hunter throws him out of the game. Like, no, like, just, just threw him out of the game. <laughs> it's the first inning of the first game of the series. And I mean, Bobby comes you know he just comes waddling out there you know and he's rah, rah, barking like an old bulldog and they they exchange you know barbs at each other for a second and and hunter came up with some lame excuse as to why he wasn't in position to to see that he came off the back and why he was, you know, why he threw Smoltzy out of the game. And Bobby looked him dead in the eye and he said, Hunter, you wouldn't make a pimple on your daddy's ass. <laughs> That's 100, for time, 100 times out of 100 is going to get you thrown out of the game. <laughs> and him and Smoltzy both sat next to each other for the rest of that day. And Brett Boone and I had our gloves over our faces just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Because – Hunter Wendelstadt, uh, you know, his, his dad has the umpiring school down in Daytona, where mm -hmm. I'm from. I mean, revered as one of the greatest uh, umpires, uh, you know, of all time. And uh, God rest his soul. He's just the sweetest man. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, Bobby went old school mom joke on it right there. <laughs> right there at third base yeah. in Cincinnati. Do you ever remember a time where Bobby was – what is the maddest that you have ever seen Bobby Cox get? I think uh, the maddest I've ever seen him get was probably not even related to, to an ejection or umpires or anything like that. I can remember when Barry was – Barry Bonds was going through his, his – home run chase mm -hmm. uh we were in san francisco one time and we you know we have team meetings hitters meetings pitchers meetings defensive meetings you know all that kind of stuff before each and every series and the the message is loud and clear don't pitch to him uh, uh do not give him a pitch to hit if there's an open base do not give him a pitch to hit um 
Well, we got swept in the series in the last two games, or excuse me, the first two games of this series, uh, Barry ended the game by planting a baseball in the in the water out in right field. And and Bobby comes into the clubhouse. He he let everybody come into the club. Usually he's like one of the first ones in the clubhouse. He let everybody get in the clubhouse and he came in. And I mean, he peeled the walls back. He's like, why do we have meetings? I, I don't understand. But you guys have earmuffs on when, we, when we're doing the meetings? Uh, you don't let Barry Bonds beat you. Uh, if he's leading off the inning, you put him on first base. We'll take our chances. But we're not letting him beat us. And Ray King and Trey Hodges served him up, and he <laughs> whacked him into the – into the ocean it was uh it was it was he was not real happy i saw him i saw him get a little peeved at uh at andrew jones and um a a couple times enough to enough to pull him off the field that's that you got to be pretty hot as a manager to pull somebody off the field Trevor, this year one of the biggest conversations in baseball is around the AL MVP award and it is remarkable what's going on with both Aaron Judge and Shohei it is such a it's such a fun conversation to have but really I just hope people are appreciating the years that we're watching but who would you vote for who gets Chipper Jones's vote this year for AL MVP oh it's not even a debate for me I mean signed sealed delivered you send that thing to New York I mean He's having a historic season, he being Aaron Judge. Um, he's on a first-place team. Um, he's in the hunt for a triple crown. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, uh, Shohei Otani is doing stuff that, that we personally have never seen before. You know, you got to go back to the, to the Babe Ruth days. Well, I wasn't alive back then. So a guy <laughs> that can go out – a guy that can go out and pitch at the top of the rotation and be dominant whenever he goes out there. And a guy that can go out and hit 30, 40 uh, home runs and hit right in the meat of the lineup. Um, that's, that's special. Um, last year, I think 100% he was the, the AL MVP this year. I, I, I can't, I can't give it to him. Uh, um, Judge is just he's been too valuable to that team in that lineup when you know Josh Donaldson didn't hit the way he was supposed to or Rizzo was hurt or slumping or you know Giancarlo was hurt or slumping you know I mean he kept them afloat during that rough stretch where I think they lost you know 20 of 28 or 20 of 30 you know it would have been worse than that if it wasn't for him. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, he has all of baseball captivated. Yeah. I mean, you, he can't, he can't go to the bathroom without you, people knowing <laughs> about it. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, every at bat is scrutinized. Every at bat is followed on TV. So a ton of pressure on this young man, you know, coming down to the last week of the season, but I think the I think the award, as far as I'm concerned, was signed, sealed, and delivered well before uh, right now or the end of the season. That's you're, just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And, and your um, Shiver, your Atlanta Braves are 
one of the best teams in baseball this year as they were last year without no they ended up playing better and better last year this year they're one of the best teams in baseball yet they're not in first place in the division because the Mets are also one of the best teams in baseball NL East this year it's the most exciting division coming down the stretch who wins the NL East this year can the Braves catch them Oh yeah, the Braves can catch them. There's there's no doubt about that. I you know we're we're having a little trouble staying on the field right now. Uh, you know I don't know what's going on with Ronald Acuna, but Strider you know is down for the rest of the the regular season. That's going to hurt uh, coming down the stretch. I think uh, you know the <clears throat> from a from a schedule standpoint, you could argue you know other than than the Mets. I think the Mets have the same exact schedule as far as uh, you know how how it ends up. I think we have the the uh, Nationals, Mets, Marlins, and the Mets have the uh, the Marlins, Braves, Nationals. So it's <laughs> it, it, you know it's it's pretty even. Um, they're one up, obviously. You know, having two future fall, uh, Hall of Famers. Uh, going for you is is a big a big one up you know I mean we got some some good guys going for us but uh, to be honest with you um, the Braves had a really good chance about two weeks ago Um, you know the Mets didn't take care of business against the Cubs and the Pirates and whatnot and 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 we didn't we didn't take full advantage of it in in my opinion the Mets are a very good ball club a very good ball club I think uh Buck Showalter's done an outstanding job throwing himself right into the middle of the manager of the year race um you know you run those two horses out there and let's not forget that big boy down at the end of the bullpen Diaz has been lights Mm -hmm. out you know he's allowed them to be able to shorten the game um I think uh Lindor and Alonzo have carried them. I can't imagine where they would be if they didn't have those two guys. I think uh, Alonzo will be in the in the top five in MVP voting in the in the National League. So, um, you know what we've we've had a good run and we're going to give it a whirl. You know, coming down here to the last week, but the Mets sure have played well this year. So they're both both teams are going to be in the playoffs easily. Uh, and I got I got a couple fun ones for you here before we we, we finish up. This first one comes from Game 3 NLDS last year. Chipper Jones is sitting in foul territory. Ball comes to him. You botch it. What happened there? What happened last year in the stands? Yeah, it was a high sky that day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the sun was right over. It. So now I, look, I dropped it. I dropped it. I got a 10-time gold glover and Andrew Jones sitting right next to me. You think he got up out of his seat to try and catch? No. I said, the only reason I actually, if you go back and look, the only reason I even attempted to catch that ball was because my three- and four-year-old were sitting right next to me and I didn't want them to get hit. If if that had been just me and my wife, I would have left her there to run out of the way. <laughs> Because I am not trying to catch no, you know, barehanded pop up on no. national TV. But uh, yeah, it damn near broke my thumb. That thing hurt, man. Those <laughs> baseballs baseball is hurt. Yeah. Know? So, but yeah, that was I, I caught a lot of guff. <laughs> um, all right, for you and your career, who was the toughest pitcher for you to face? Who was the toughest at bat for you in your career? 
Oh man, I get, I've been asked that so many times and, uh, there were a bunch of them. There were a bunch of guys that I actually had good numbers against that I did not enjoy facing. Um, obviously guy like Randy Johnson, I had good numbers overall against Randy and hit some homers against him and whatnot, but he gave me, he gave me three hat tricks and one of those three was my only four strikeout game of my entire wow. career. Um, so Randy, if you were not on your game, he could embarrass you. Um, fortunately I was on my game some when I was facing him, but, um, he was, he was one of those guys who were like, man, I just gotta, I just gotta scratch and claw for one and get out of there. You know, uh, yeah. he threw a perfect against us one time. Absolutely insane. I, I, he struck me out three times. I don't even think I fouled a ball off. Um, you know, you could sit here and say, uh, old school Pedro, um, you know, when he was with the, <clears throat> the Expos and the Red Sox, um, I got him a little bit when, when he came over and dabbled with the, dabbled with the Mets a little bit. Um, he was awfully tough. Three plus pitches. I would have to say the one guy that had dominant stuff, but he pitched with it was probably the one guy that I had the most trouble with. And that was Clements. I will say this till the day I die, you know, a lot of those guys, have great stuff but they don't pitch with the great stuff they they just overpower people roger clemens never threw anything down the middle ever and um he had great angle he was a lot like smoltz he had great angle ball comes out of his hand it looks down poop right at the knees it look comes out of his hand it looks out poop right on the corner um you know not to mention he had a couple other really good pitches as well, but yeah. he, he mostly pitched off his fastball, had great angle. I'll never forget one time we were in, uh, we were at Minute Maid and it was the first, first, first inning. And Eric Hinsky, uh, great dude. One of my, one of my, uh, he was my locker mate for like last three or four years of my career. I have this great at bat against Clemens nine pitch at bat, end up grounding out, grounding out shortstop. Come back in, roost closed, 72 and beautiful and Minute Maid, you know, and I sit down next to him. I'm sweating bullets, right? Ski comes up and he sits down next to me and he goes, dude, are you all right? I was like, yeah. He's like, you're, I mean, you have a rough night. You're sweating bullets, you know? <laughs> I go, dude, I just worked my ass off to ground out, <laughs> ground out his shortstop off of Clemens. So, he, you know, you had to, you had to really work, uh, just to put the ball in play against Roger Clemens. He was, he was truly unbelievable. If you could go back for one at bat and face either Smoltz, Glavin, or Maddox, who, who do you want that at bat off of? Smoltz, yeah, Smoltz. Why? Hundred percent. Well. I've faced those guys hundreds of times, yeah. by the way. Like, people don't know this. I fa I was always the first guy in the cage the first day of spring training against those guys. Yeah. Um, so I know everything they got. And to be <laughs> honest with you, Smoltzy is my kind of pitcher. Like, if I, if I had to choose one of the three, because everything's hard. 
You know, you know he's going to come at you with the hard, straight fastball. He's going to throw the 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 slider, and and if he throws the slider enough, he's going to hang me one every once in a while. And he hung me a few in spring training. And when, normally, when you hit a home run off one of your teammates in spring training, you just get out of the case. Nope, I ran the bases. <laughs> I slapped high fives with all the with the second baseman the first yeah everybody did the did the dap with my third base coach you know around the... <laughs> but i had the i had the good fortune of facing um glavin and maddox in you know in game situation uh when when glav was uh in new york uh, actually he's the only one of the three that i have a homer off of and i, I believe i was 3 for 9 off maddox uh when he was out in uh, San Diego and Los Angeles, but I never got a chance to face Smoltzy when the, you know, yeah. when the rubber met the road, you know, and I think that would have been fun. <laughs> Those guys are obviously such great athletes. They're all Hall of Famers as well, and they're all such good golfers. But Chipper, have you ever gotten them on your turf? You ever gotten them out into the woods and gone hunting with any of those three? <laughs> Those boys would be lost twenty yards from the truck, man. It's they they got no chance. They got no chance. I definitely have more of a chance of uh, uh, competing on the golf course than they do competing with me out, out in the woods. I if 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 we put them on like a like a naked and afraid or like a survivor <laughs> episode, they would they would tap out within probably a half an hour to an hour. Uh, last one for you and and i've often wondered this and and i grew up a big braves fan and grew up watching you obviously i'm rocking the jersey right now you played for a long time played until you're 40 years old your last two years though you were an all-star how did you know it was time how did how did you know it was time to call it a career even though you were still playing really good baseball well my body told me um I left a lot of people don't know this, but I left $10 million on the table, uh, in 2013. Um, I, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I got to spring training in 2012 and I'm literally, we are, it's the first day of spring training. We are running to the center field wall. Excuse me. We're jogging to the center field <laughs> wall and back. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get to the center field walk and I turn no, I turn on my right knee to to go jog back to the to the foul line, and I tear cartilage in my knee. My knee pops, and I'm like, "Son of a!" You know, <laughs> it's like I, I, I'm breaking down. You know, right in right in front of my very own eyes. Um, I was just I was tired of it, and yeah. I couldn't. I had just gotten over, you know, trying to get ready for 200 baseball games. And I couldn't foresee myself going into the off season and doing it again. You know, I, I felt good coming into spring training and two days into spring training, all the same neck back knee pains were, were right back with me. And I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm going in to tell them this is my last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we all want to go out on our, on our own terms we don't want to be pushed and i learned some things from maddox glavin and smoltz through the years you know they went through some tumultuous times with um you know maybe 
trying to stick around a year or two, too, too many. Um, whenever my teammates would come up to me and say, Hey, are you playing today? That's when you realize, okay, too many things have to happen. Too many people have to move around if I don't play. Mm-hmm. And I was to the point where I could only probably play 110 to 120 games a year. And I felt like I was not hurting the team, but I was, I was kind of, I want to say dragging them down, but it just, it, it just felt like at least from a a front office standpoint, like I was, they were doing stuff with one hand tied behind their back because I was such of a, you know, I was kind of weighing them down a little bit and I didn't want to be like that, you know, and I was getting to the point where mentally and physically I was spent, you know, seven knee surgeries, one ankle surgery, one hand surgery. Uh, I'm yeah, I was toast. And my agent, he was like, he was like, you sure you want to do this? You can't come back if you retire. And I was like, he goes, I always thought they were going to have to rip the uniform off of you. And I was like, well, you, you thought wrong. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, but wow. I did want, I did, I did want to end on a good note. You know, I, I would love to go out on a note like, like Albert's going out on right now. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to retire, especially with the way he's done the last, you know, the second half of the season. But, you know, I, 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 I was productive, you know, those last two years. And obviously making all-star teams was, uh, you know, was, was a big thrill for me. Cause I got to, I got to get a base hit off Chris sale in my last all-star all-star game at bad ever, which was pretty cool. That's really cool. Well, you went out on, on your terms and there's something to be said about that. And you're an all-star on the way out the door and became a hall of famer first ballot. So many all-star games. And, uh, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time and joining me. This one's been a lot of fun, Chipper. Thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure, buddy. You take it easy. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Well, that was incredible. I just wanted to thank Chipper Jones again for joining me. So many great stories. I was in tears laughing multiple times throughout that conversation. Um, just, that was really cool for me. That was that was really special. Every single night growing up that the Braves were playing, I was locked in watching him play. And to go back and hear so many stories from those years will forever be so special to me. So I hope you all really, really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. This was a blast. Make sure you like, subscribe, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. And follow along on all social media. So many clips from this episode will come out. Everything we do, we do it on social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can watch every single episode as well on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. I can't stop smiling. What a cool moment for me. What a cool episode. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. I will see you next time. Peace.